Greetings, listeners of the Latin Prayer Podcast. My name is Dylan Drago, and welcome back for another episode. Having just celebrated the Feast of the Epiphany this past week, if you have been following along in the old calendar, we have just completed celebrating the feast days of the three magi, or the three wise men. So I thought it would be fun to maybe see how much do we really know about the origins of these wise men and where do they finally end up. We're going to talk a little bit about the gifts that they brought to our Lord Jesus Christ and the meaning behind those gifts. We're going to talk about the wise men themselves, how do we know there were three, and of course, how they are venerated by the faithful throughout the world today, especially on their feast days. So, let's dive in. So we know from sacred scripture that the Magi, also called the three wise men, brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the newborn king Jesus. Now, this event is typified all the way in the Old Testament by the visit of the Queen of Sheba to King Solomon, where she too brought gifts of gold and spices. The gifts of the Magi are believed to have significant meaning in relation to Christ's life, because they're seen sort of as foreshadowings of Christ's life, representing three things, his kingship, his deity, and his death. So let's take them one by one. Gold is often associated with royalty and kingship. That's kind of a no-brainer. This is especially true in the Bible. It is frequently used to symbolize wealth and prestige. In this context, the gift of gold presented to our Lord Jesus Christ by the Magi represents his status as the king of all kings and the ruler of all nations. This is significant because it ties in with the belief that our Lord Jesus is the prophesied Messiah, the savior of the world, not just a political or temporal king who would eventually come to establish a kingdom of righteousness and peace eternally. In addition to representing our Lord Jesus Christ as king, the gift of gold also symbolizes the importance of our Lord in the eyes of the Magi, how they see him. See, they recognized our Lord as a king because they came from very far away to pay him homage. This also highlights this universality of our Lord's message. As the Magi, we know, were not Jewish, but rather Gentiles. We'll talk about that in a minute. Showing that our Lord's message was meant for all people, not just the Israelites. Now, moving on to frankincense, it is a gum resin from the Boswellia tree. It's believed to have symbolized Christ's deity in a very specific way. Now, this tree is native to Somalia and southern coastal Arabia. It was often mixed with other substances such as stacti, onica, galbanum, and was used by Moses as an offering to God in the tabernacle. It was considered so sacred that it was forbidden to use it for any other purpose. Now, we believe this represents the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, specifically because how this was set apart throughout the entire Old Testament, meaning it was offered specifically to God and it was used for divine purposes only. And finally, we come to the gift of myrrh, which is also a brownish gum resin from the Comifora obsinica tree, is believed to symbolize the death of our Lord Jesus. 
The tree is native to eastern Africa and Arabia, and myrrh was commonly used and still is used today in embalming. In the Old Testament, myrrh was used by Moses to anoint the tabernacle of testimony and the Ark of the Testament. This is from Numbers 30. It also has analgesic properties and was offered to Christ on the cross mixed with wine. This is the wine that he refused. This is in Mark chapter 15, verse 23. After his death, Nicodemus brought myrrh to anoint our Lord Jesus' body, which we know about in John chapter 19, verse 39. Now, in addition to the traditions of these three gifts of the Magi, there is also a golden legend written by Jacobus de Vrain in A.D. 1275. This describes the gifts of the Magi as symbols of three aspects of our Lord's life, his precious deity, his soul full of holiness, and his flesh being pure and without corruption. The gold, according to Jacobus de Vrain, represents his deity, the incense represents his devout soul, and the myrrh represents his flesh that was without corruption. It also gives an analogy of the Ark of Moses, the Ark of the Covenant, where the rod which flourished represents the flesh of Jesus that rose from death to life. The tablets where the commandments were written represent the soul, and the manna signified the Godhead. Regardless, whether you look at traditionally what the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh represented, or if you look at what the golden legend has to say about it, we can all see that these gifts pointed to the same things about our Lord's life, and all three of them foreshadowed that this was the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the one who has come to save the world. Now, we also know from sacred tradition that the Magi had names. They're known as Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, and they're often called the first fruits of the Gentiles, meaning those who came to the faith outside of Israel. It's believed that these three men traveled from Persia, which is modern-day Iran. Their origins can possibly be traced farther than Persia into Babylon, Arabia, India, or possibly even Ethiopia. Now, in sacred scripture, they're often referred to as wise men or magi. So, it's natural to question why are they referred to as kings. And this can be explained by references in sacred scriptures, such as Psalm 71, verses 6 to 11, where it states that all kings of the earth will adore and serve the Lord. In the book of Isaiah, this is chapter 60, verses 1 through 6, it's foretold that Gentiles and kings will come to Jerusalem to see the glory of the Lord. The number of the Magi present at our Lord's birth is not specified in Scripture, but again, tradition holds that there were three, which is again supported by the fact that there were three gifts specifically mentioned in the Bible. Tradition also states that these three men represented the three ages of man and the three racial types of man, being descendants of Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. According to legend, Caspar was a young, beardless descendant of Ham who brought frankincense. Melchior was an old, white-haired, bearded descendant of Shem who brought gold. And Balthazar was a bearded, black descendant of Japheth in the prime of his life who brought myrrh. The three magi are seen as symbols of all of the races of man united in their worship of the one true God. And despite the many differences between the people, 
and their cultures, they are all potentially one in him. Their visit serves as a reminder that all people, regardless of race or background, are invited to come and to worship the Lord. It highlights the idea that no matter how different our ways may be, we are all equally loved by God. But what became of the Magi after their pilgrimage to Bethlehem? One such tradition is put forth by St. John Chrysostom, who was the Bishop of Constantinople in 400 AD, and he says that after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that St. Thomas the Apostle journeyed to the land of the Magi and baptized them, bringing them into the fold of the church and joining them in spreading the good word. This theory is further supported by the fact that St. Thomas did in fact venture far and wide in his missions to spread the gospel as far as India. It is there that he ultimately met his end as a martyr for his beliefs. Though their feasts may not be celebrated liturgically, the dates for their recognition are in the martyrology and are St. Caspar on January the 1st, St. Melchior on January the 6th, and St. Balthazar on January the 11th. So what of the final resting place of these three magi? Well, the city of Cologne in Germany holds a special significance as its home to the relics of the three wise men. These relics were discovered in Persia, brought to Constantinople by St. Helena, transferred to Milan in the 5th century, and then eventually ended up in Cologne in 1163. Their journey to Cologne is said to have taken place on three separate ships, which should be ringing some bells for all of you. This is where we believe that famous classic carol, I Saw Three Ships Come Sailing In on Christmas Day, is said to have originated. However, over time, the lyrics were altered to speak of the Holy Family and their sailing to Bethlehem, which is... Virtually, there's no way to sail to Bethlehem, rather than the Magi and their voyage to Cologne. The relics of the Magi in Cologne continue to draw thousands and thousands of visitors each year who come to pay their respects and to venerate them and to marvel at the rich history and significance of these wise men. Literally, pictures of them are found in every manuscript when you talk about the Epiphany or the birth of Christ. Their presence in Christian tradition is a massive reminder that at the very center of the Catholic message, is one undeniable fact that our Lord Jesus Christ came to save every soul. And no matter how far that soul may be away from our Lord, he calls to them. We must believe in the power of faith to guide even the most unlikely of individuals to the path of salvation. God calls every single one of us to the level of grace and virtue that he desires for us And if we but follow the example of the wise men of these magi, by simply taking up our cross and following him, we'll arrive at our eternal home in heaven to be with him in his kingdom forever. Thank you for joining me again for another episode. And a big thank you to all of you who are praying the rosary and listening every day. The links for the daily rosary are in the show notes. Please like and share this podcast with your family and friends as well as at your parish. Remember that Pope St. Pius X said, If there were one million families praying the rosary every day, the entire world would be saved.
And if you're enjoying these episodes, please consider leaving a review on YouTube or on Spotify or on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this. It's the easiest free way to support the podcast. If you are in a financial position to support this podcast, I would love for you to do so by visiting us at our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash the Latin Prayer Podcast. I would like to ask you all to finish up this episode by joining me in praying for our patrons, without whom I would not have even been able to come this far in making this podcast. I'd like to pray for them, their families, and their intentions, in particular, the intention of Roxanne Smith, one of our listeners, and her community. They have lost access to the traditional Latin Mass and have to journey quite a ways through the mountains in the snow. So I'd like to pray for them, their community, their safety as they travel, and for God to show his mighty arm and to restore the celebration of the Latin Mass in their diocese. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster qui es in Celi sanctificetur nomen Tuum, adveniat regnum Tuum fiat voluntas Tua, sicut in Cielo et in Terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et demite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos demitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationum, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, Sigut in principio, et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Saints Caspar, Melchior, and Balthasar, ora pro nobis.